Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell & Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, it's Mandy Connell on KOA, 8.50 a.m. and 94.1 FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Monday edition of the show. I'm here, your host for the next three hours, Mandy Connell, Susan Whitkin, as you just heard, back from vacation, and Grant back in the master control. A-Rod, you flip-flop today. What do you have plans tonight? Yep, I got a concert I'm going to tonight, so A-Rod was gracious enough to uh, flip with me. What, what concert are you going to? Camp, my favorite band from Ohio. I've talked I, I about see them your shirt, Camp. Amp. Yes. Cat Amp. Cat Amp. Why are there two A's? I don't know why there's a second A. I don't know why. Cat Amp. Cat Amp. And they're openers downstairs in Studio C right now playing for uh, KBCO. Nice. So I got to go down there and talk to them. And I'm trying to get one of them on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to get one of them on the podcast. So there you go. It was great. All right. Well, good to see you. Good to have you here for the next three hours. You guys, I got to tell you, um, I had a crazy morning, none of which is particularly interesting, but I'm running a bit late. So uh, I'm going to jump right into the blog, but there's a bunch of stuff that I still have to put on the blog. And I might just wait till tomorrow because I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Good guess. Let's do it. Go to mandysblog.com. That's mandysblog.com. Click for the look for the headline that says Monday blog. Furry Gate 2022 is a complete distraction from real issues. Click on that. And here are the headlines you will find within. Good evening, Mr. Mrs. North and South American. All the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press flash. Today on the blog, the Common Sense Institute has a new report about crime in Colorado coming out today. Stupidity broke out on Twitter this weekend over furries. Heidi Ganahl's on at one. The Independence Institute's ballot guide is out. Could we wait five minutes before convening a rally? Housing first doesn't keep anyone alive. Federal government says killing eagles is A-OK. When you can't fire the team, you fire the coach. MSNBC says talking about rising crime is racist. The U.S. Supreme Court has some interesting cases this session. Republican senators voted against a pork-laden disaster relief bill. Cheating is big news these days. Polygamist unhappy his wives aren't down with the patriarchy. Influencers, you need to pay attention to this Kim Kardashian story. High blood pressure could lead to cognitive decline. The Russian army is on the brink of collapse. That time when Dr. Frouchy clopped all over the Constitution and no one noticed. Those are the headlines on the blog at mandysblog.com. And you got to go see all the stuff there today. All the fun stories that Grant sent me are still in my email box because I was just hopelessly. There was one really cool one. I don't know if you talked about it last week because I wasn't on your show at all, but John Cena broke the world record for um, most Make-A-Wish come true for, with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for Sick Kids. So yeah, I I, that we was didn't really talk cool. about it, but I think I did have it on the blog. It was like 625,000 wishes. Isn't that crazy? I, have you ever been around the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Uh, just like briefly one time. Okay, I lived in Orlando for 10 years, okay? I, I would say a, a, a majority of wishes have to do with going to Disney World. I mean, just straight up, I, I a majority. So I dealt with Make-A-Wish so, so many times and um, wonderful organization. 
although they've expanded it a little bit, used to just be for terminally ill children. Now it's like, mm, you're sick. You got something bad. Okay, we'll just let you go, which seems fine to me. Yeah, which is kind of cool because you'll see these kids, uh, ESPN and SportsCenter do a feature every year on it. And they always have Make-A-Wish kids that want to meet their, you know, favorite yeah. sports star, Patrick Mahomes or whatever. And it's so cool to see the ones that, like, have really bad childhood cancer yeah. and then end up making it out and they're playing high school sports or something. Yeah. Feel good stories. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a great thing. And I don't know. I, I They've always been really, really great to work with. But I cannot imagine. That means that 625 times kids said, he's the guy. I want to meet that guy. That's cool. Yeah, and think how honored he has to feel. I to know, be like, that's This I'm, kid that's, has one wish and he wants to meet me. Yeah, and all of the things that you could be a superlative in, that's the super coolest of them all because it's essentially a popularity contest that you didn't even sign up for, but also the fact that he made that much time out of his life, out of his day. That's, you know, that's a lot. To, to meet with these, because I just, I think that's a great story. But no, we did not talk about that. So 650. 650. My apologies to Mr. Cena. Uh, so that, that is a great story. Now, I've got a couple things on the blog today. The Common Sense Institute has a new report about crime in Colorado coming out today. I have not read it yet because they were dropping it at 1130. Mitch Morrissey is going to join me today. You know him from his work as a district attorney at 235 to discuss it. But from the preview that I saw... Crime in Colorado is not in a good place. Just not in a good place. So I'm interested to hear from former district attorney Mitch Morrissey. He's going to join me at 235 to talk about that. So uh, last night, was it last night? Gosh, it was. Just last night. Sometimes I suffer fools better than other times on Twitter. Sometimes I'm just capable of just moving on, kind of, oh, look at that idiocy, and not engaging. But... I I got sucked in last night by an, a series of idiotic tweets about furries in school. Now, I just want to let you guys know that when I got my own show back in 2005, if you had said, hey, Mandy, that time in 2022 when you're going to talk about kids dressing up like animals and going to school, um, yeah, be careful about how you talk about that because people will make it sound like you're a horrible person. I mean, that, that would not have occurred to me that we were about to talk about what we're about to talk about, but here we are. Because Heidi Ganahl has been told by parents, and I know this for a fact because we've had conversations about her talking to parents about this specific issue, right? Heidi's gonna come on at one o'clock, by the way, to talk about this and other stuff. I, I have not had a chance to personally congratulate her for mopping the table uh, with Jared Polis in their first debate. And she really did a phenomenal job and the governor was very unprepared and it looked like it. And it was an awesome debate. And if you haven't seen it, it's on my Facebook page. It's on my Twitter page. Go find it. Go watch it. It is worth your time. That being said, Heidi mentioned that there are children who are being allowed in schools in the metro area to show up and pretend that they are animals at school. It's called being a furry and it's a whole thing. Now, you guys may not know this, but every year in Denver, there's a giant furry convention. And it's usually right across I-25 from where we are at the Denver Tech Center. Were you on the show when I interviewed the guy from the furry convention? No, oh, I yeah. wish I would have been. Because I was like, was I've he never... In, in uniform? No, no, he, he didn't come in. He didn't oh. come in because it was during the convention. I couldn't okay. get him before. It just didn't work out. I didn't even think about that. No, it was a phone interview. I've interviewed him twice. 
And for me, I'm like, okay, is this like a, a sex thing? Like what, and he's like, for some people it is. For other people, they just enjoy, you know, living out this fantasy of being an animal. And I'm like, you know what? No harm, no foul, right? You want to go to a furry convention dressed as a raccoon, more power to you. I don't care. You want to go hang out in your living room, hang out with other people. If you want to go to a bar that'll let you in dressed as a furry, I don't care. But you're not going to go to work like that, right? You're just not. You're not going to walk into your office with your foxtail on. You're not going to do that because there's a time and place for everything. And ultimately, you're not actually an animal, right? I mean, I don't know if I need to point that out. But yeah, you're not really an animal. So Heidi has been told by parents about their children being hissed at, growled at, uh, almost bitten by these, these, these students that are pretending to be animals and, and they're just allowing it at school. I mean, you guys, this is insanity. This is insanity. And is it happening everywhere? I don't know. But is it happening? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. The fact that it's happening enough just for the maybe the future governor of our state to be talking about well, it she seems was, like that's enough of a problem. She was talking about it in the context of, you know, 60% of kids are, are not doing well in Colorado. In Denver, the numbers are even worse for the kids that can read and write on grade level. And we're allowing this insanity to happen in our schools. It's like, this cannot, cannot be a good thing. She mentions it offhand in an interview on a, a Saturday morning show. And do you think that the, the news media in Denver followed up on any of the other things that she talked about? Like we're second in the country for fentanyl deaths or the fact that our children can't read or write or any of these things that we've done that have, that have created a huge increase in the number of teen suicides, teen drug addiction. Do you think they followed up on any of that? No, they did not. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that, you know, they take that and run with it, but there's so many real things going oh. on when kids need more help than ever and we're just letting them do whatever the hell they want. And we're buying electric school buses and we're doing, you know, stupid things like that. It's just, it's an idiotic supposition that we should be even having this conversation, but yet that's what they locked into. That's what they locked into. They don't want to talk about serious issues. They don't want to talk about every way that Colorado has slid down the rankings in so many important areas. They don't want to talk about any of that stuff because that's not a track record that's going to make people have a warm and fuzzy voting for Jared Polis. And so they have to do everything they can to make Heidi look like a crazy person when in reality, she didn't make this stuff up. She didn't make this stuff up at all. This is what she's being told by parents whose children are dealing with this on, on a semi-regular basis in some schools more than others. I, I mean... It's just nuts. And then Kyle Clark weighs in. And you know you know how much I adore him. I just, gosh, I love him so much. So much. Grant, don't I look like I love him right now? You look oh like my God, so much. I love him so much. Anyway, Kyle weighs in. And I, I'll wait, I gotta go. I'll read the tweet to you, which I normally don't do. But you, I can't capture the full sanctimonious of the entire situation without really just reading verbatim uh, what is happening there. Let's see. Um, bum, 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 bum. Let me see here. I got to find it. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So um, one of the reporters at KRDO decided that he was going to press Heidi on the furry situation 
And uh, Kyle Clark retweeted one, a tweet that says, this is what happens when adults think they understand kids, but a furry is not a gender identity. Putting on cat ears does not mean you identify as a cat, except it kind of does for these kids because they're all attention-seeking teenagers. That's what they are. Uh, and then Kyle, Kyle uh, tweets out, the postmortem of the 2022 Colorado governor's race may note that two weeks before ballots went out, one candidate was talking about furries, not a development anyone expected. What? Th this is what they pick up on, but it's not, that's not all. Kyle, who essentially was like, yeah, this isn't happening, then decides to tweet out this. One thought on Furrygate before Colorado Gov conversation returns to the economy, crime, etc. There have always been kids on the margins, kids bullied to the point of possible self-harm. When powerful adults make a target of marginalized kids, that's a whole other level. But wait a minute, they're not really there, right? Didn't he, didn't he just imply with all of his sarcasm about this, that this is not happening? So if it didn't, then what's he yapping about? And we just had a caller who said at Mead High School, yeah. It's been a problem for like five years. And I, their kid actually got bullied by the by, furries. Yes, yes. And I've had two parents reach out and say, four, four years ago when my kid was at Highlands Ranch, they all, they, they didn't all, but this was an issue then. So uh, been a, there's a FOIA request for Jeffco schools that was made by uh, Jeffco Kids First, I think. And they have asked for any emails referencing furries and they've been told there are over 2,000 emails so it's going to take a little while for them to gather them up why would there be so many if it doesn't exist in the schools so stop bludgeoning Heidi just because you don't know any actual parents just because you don't know any of the people who are concerned about this stuff because all of your friends love to take their kids to drag shows when they're four just so they can put you know money into the stripper's belt I don't know what your situation is that you can't imagine that this could be happening when it absolutely can be happening. I had a story a couple of weeks ago out of Australia where uh, a child has actually petitioned the school district there to completely live as a cat at school, right? And the kid is going to be nonverbal in school and they're going to allow the child to not only be nonverbal and sleep in a, like a little kitty box, but also they're gonna put a litter box in the bathroom at the school. So to act like this is so crazy that this could happen here, it is happening. It is. Whose job is that going to be? Scooping the kids' oh, litter no. box. No, you think to make them do it yourself, but not their adorable little prince and <laughs> well, princesses who think they're cats. Like they're making them do anything else. You guys, this is the worst kind of coddling that we can do for kids. Because let me tell you something. What are they going to go to their job at Panera when they're 16, dressed like a cat? And, and, and what? Claw everybody's eyes out? I mean, what is wrong with you people? Childhood and teen, teenage years, they are about pushing boundaries. It is our job as adults to provide the pushback to a reasonable place, which is do whatever you want at home, but you have to act like a civilized person at school. Not a cat, not a gerbil, not a squirrel, not a nothing, a human freaking being or don't go to school. And then the parents can deal with it. Heidi's coming on at one, not just to talk about that. Again, I wanted to talk about her shellacking of the governor in last week's debate. And then coming up at uh, 2.30, former District Attorney Mitch Morrissey on to talk about that crime report from the Common Sense Institute. Susan Witkin, back Hello. from her 
vac- back from holiday. Holiday? I just decided I'm going to call it holiday from now on. It sounds makes, fancier. It, it does sound fancier mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound like I didn't do anything. Yes. <laughs> We just go there, okay? Okay. It was a very interesting Holy holiday. Lazy. It was a, it was a trolley. Okay, we've talked about this before. This is one of the coolest things you were talking about. You know, kids, and one of the things I remember is this little ditty from my childhood. Meet George Jetson. Oh, yeah. Okay, right? Jane. Guess wife. what? She's introduced to that. Elroy. So the, the, the boy oh, Elroy Jane, comes first. Judy, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because remember, he's driving around and he's yeah, dropping him off yeah. at school. Here I forgot about Jane. that. Mm-hmm. Jane, his wife. Okay, there you yeah. go. Hey, the world's first self-flying four-seat all-electric air taxi is coming. I'll I want t- it. I want it. I'll tell you more about it at 1230 right here on KOA. News, talk, sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back. Working our way through the blog at Mandy'sBlog.com. By the way, I asked on my Facebook page the other day, Mandy Connell, that's me, um, if I should start doing more video. My brother's been giving me a hard time. He's like, you're not utilizing your social media to its fullest potential. And he's right. So I did one today about negative advertising in politics. It's on my Facebook page, and I feel pretty good about it because I was super irritated about it when I did it. So all I forgot was this grinds my gears at the beginning, (laughs) and then it would have been great. Really, really great. Um, Guys, the ballot ballot guides are coming out right now, and a lot of people drop a ballot guide. I'm almost done with mine. I will probably have it done by Friday of this week. I'm definitely going to have it done by the time ballots are mailed. So uh, I'm going to be sharing those that I find myself mostly in agreement with. The Independence Institute's Ballot Guide is out today, and uh, it's, it's a good one. So that's on the blog as well. So a um, couple stories on the blog today that I find really kind of interesting because they are demonstrating a couple of things. One... So Denver has kind of adopted, and we've heard the mayor talk about this, the housing first attitude when it comes to homelessness. And on the one hand, housing first is kind of cool for those of us who are tired of seeing people uh, live like feral animals on the streets, right? It gets them out of view. But does it really help them? It gets a roof over their head. Absolutely, that is better than living outside But there is uh, a new study of Denver's social impact bond program, which sends outreach workers to find the highest users of taxpayer-funded services, including hospitals, detox centers, and jails. Because there is a small percentage of the overall homeless population that are the high consumers of services in the form of hospital stays, detox, jails. They are the chronic abusers of the system, chronic abusers of drug and alcohol, 
and they were trying to figure out if they could get those people off the streets and pay for housing, would that actually reduce the total number of dollars that that human being required, right? What I've always thought was interesting is that nobody ever says, why don't we build a specific sort of housing facility for these people that borders on an institutionalized setting where they are fed daily, they are uh, checked on daily, where they have uh, considerable psychological help and support, medical help and support, and then at some point, hopefully with the thought of moving them out of that kind of intensive residential facility and into some kind of supportive housing to move them back into society. Because the amount of money that we're spending on some of these people is insane. Listen to these numbers. Just listen. Previous research showed that the first 250 participants had cost the government a total of $7.3 million per year when they lived outside and in shelters and cycled through the healthcare and criminal justice systems. After they were housed, researchers found a 40% reduction in arrests a 30% reduction in jail stays, and a 65% decrease in detox services, and a 40% drop in emergency department visits. Now, that's pretty impressive. But there's one number where it did not go well, and that is the number of people who died after they were given housing. The Institute looked at the mortality rate for 532 people who had moved into supportive housing from 2016 to 2019, then compared it to 529 people who were homeless and receiving community services through nonprofit and governmental organizations. So about 10% of the housed group died, 9% of the homeless group died. So we're not keeping these people from death. We're just putting them out of our sight while they die. You know, I mean, that, that's a depressing way to say it, but that's a lot of people that died. I mean, 53 out of 532 people, that's a lot of people that died during that time frame. So the conclusion was that a few years in supportive housing was not enough to reverse the long-term health effects and stress of being homeless, which often include mental health problems and addiction. See, that's the part about housing first that I don't like. You cannot allow an addict to continue his or her addiction and expect a good result just because you put somebody in an apartment or paid for a motel room. That, that's not going to solve anything. There's got to be responsibility that comes along with that. And unfortunately, at some point, you have to force responsibility on people, especially people who have essentially become, you know, I use the word feral on purpose because... A feral cat can manage and survive, but it, it, they get to a point where you cannot, they can't be around other human beings. They're, they don't want to be touched. They don't want to be a, a part of anything. And, and there are people living on the streets that get to that point where they're so far detached from reality, society, family, any kind of group structure outside the extremely toxic and fluid group structures that exist in the homeless population then they don't know how to have those relationships. They don't know how to reintegrate back into society. I mean, we're talking about very, very, very complex issues 
that require very, very complex solutions. But unfortunately, the solution is going to have to be forced on some of these people because they're not going to willingly accept it. You know, a few weeks ago, we had video on the blog from, um, oh no, Sherwood, Sherwood Oaks, Sherman Oaks, California. And there was video of a man in front of a business uh, pooping into a bag, like a grocery bag, and then he threw it at the reporters. And then later when she was trying to talk to him and she said, can I get you help? Do you want some help? And he just said, no. I'm like, dude, you just pooped in a trash bag in front of a business and yet you think you've got it all under control. <laughs> There's a disconnect there that is so significant that asking people nicely if they would like services is not going to get the job done. You know, maybe it's going to get one out of 50, one out of 100. Maybe after their, you know, neighborhood meth head burns down their tent encampment, they one out of 30 might take those services. These, these numbers are not success. These numbers are not remotely successful. And unfortunately, when someone is completely out of their minds through addiction or mental illness or both, we're going to have to figure out a harder stance and how to make that work within the framework of the law and allow people to get clean, get medicated, and get conscious enough to make decisions about moving forward with their life. For those type of people, why aren't there places for them to go? Like, have you been to the Ridges in Athens, Ohio? Before? I have not. So it was a mental institution from like the late 1800s to the late 1900s. And now it's spooky and, and now haunted. it's haunted, yes. But that was a place where you could send people that were feral humans that, that didn't fit into society and you could house them. What, why aren't there more places like that? Is it because they were so poorly run before? Yes, that's part of it. And uh, th can I, I'm going to give you a really condensed history of why we have so many mentally ill people on the streets in the United States of America. And it starts with pharmacology. Um, the drug companies started coming out with antipsychotics and antipsychosis medication. They believed that they could then treat all mental illness with medication, right? Um, we just have to medicate them. What they, those medications at that time, all they really did was dope them up so much they couldn't function. So at least they weren't acting out and screaming and yelling and carrying on. They were just whacked out of their minds. But starting in like the 1950s, there was a big push by the psychiatrists and by the pharmacologists, the, the drug companies, to push mental health into the medication field. And at the same time they were doing this, you have something come out called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which gave that impression that all mental health facilities were run incredibly poorly and some were very much run very poorly, right? Let's be real. But not all were. Not every living condition was horrible, but they threw the baby out with the bathwater because, number one, residential mental health facilities are very expensive. So no government wants to have to run that, right? They don't want to have to pay for it. They don't want to have to run it. I would argue that the costs that we're seeing right now are significantly higher across the board, social costs, uh, financial costs, way higher than that residential care was ever. But the drumbeat of the Psychiatry Association can, you know, the drug companies and then civil libertarians saying it's not right to keep these people in against their will. So all of those centers closed and now we have the homeless situation on the streets that we have. And because of uh, one ruling uh, out of Boise, Ohio, and I'm going to, uh, Boise, Ohio, Boise, Idaho, and I'm going to condense this really, really tightly. 
Boise made um, urban camping against the law, but Boise did not have a, a shelter structure that could house the people that were living on the streets. And, and the Tenth Circuit said, you cannot make living outside illegal unless you have options for other people. And that has, that has really fueled the notion that somehow there's nothing we, we can do. So here's my plan. I've been thinking about this nonstop for like five years now, and I'm not even exaggerating. Here's what I would do if I were the king of the Denver metro area, right? If they just said, fix it, here's what I do. I take all, and I mean all, every bit of the dollars that we could, and I would build a large facility, probably out near the airport where nothing is, huge facility, and it would have dormitory-style housing with maybe low walls to give people some privacy. I would have kennels out there if people had dogs, homeless people had dogs. I want to make sure that was taken care of. I would have an industrial washing machine set so everybody could clean. I would have semi-private showers, but I would also have a firm no drugs, no alcohol policy. And then I would make it enough beds, huge, could be football fields long, make enough beds that then you go around to every single homeless person in Denver and say, we have outlawed camping in the streets and your options are this. We're going to take you to this dormitory style housing. We're going to get you all cleaned up. Then you're going to have to find a job. And when you have enough money saved up to get an apartment and you can go, you can leave. And if you don't like that, then can we buy you a bus ticket home wherever that is? And then in that huge warehouse place where all these human beings are being put, you then start the funnel process. Oh, you're a veteran. Well, let's get you into this one funnel that can help you access all of your veteran benefits and help you access the VA and help you access some mental health care and maybe some addiction care through the VA. Oh, wait, you're a female. You're a single female. You're a domestic violence survivor. We're going to funnel you in a different way because you have a different kind of trauma that has to be dealt with. And then you start separating out these people and you got to make space for couples. You've got to take down every barrier except you cannot use drugs or alcohol and be a part of this program. And if you want to use drugs or alcohol, then you're going to have to figure out a way to do it not on the street because you can't live on the street because we have enough beds for everyone. I mean, it's going to take some insanely, ridiculously expensive proposition like that that is followed through with 100% of the time and, and never give an inch. We also have to change society's feelings about feeding, clothing, giving anything to people living on the streets. We cannot allow it to happen anymore. It's inhumane. It's, it's wildly cruel. It's toxic compassion. And it's death on the installment plan. And we need to change the way society, not views homeless people as anything less than human beings, but as just that. That the same God who created the heaven and the earth and all of the seas and mountains and trees thought you, homeless person, were valuable. And he made you just like that. And it's not good enough that you're living on the streets. So that's my solution right there. There's, my, there's your, your basic history. That is a giant macro, much condensed overview. Like that's, that's a great synopsis. That's the Cliff Notes of the Cliff Notes version. But that, that was like 70 years right there. Bam. We, we can't, we just can't, we can't pretend these people are going to accept help voluntarily. We can't pretend that someone who is in the throes of a massive addiction and massive mental illness problems is going to ever make good choices. It, it's not going to happen. And we have to provide something so they can have some quality of life that doesn't require or facilitate pooping on the street ever, 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 ever. I'm going to talk to Deb. Deb, you are on KOA. What's on your mind? Hi, Mandy. I work in a long-term care facility, 
And we have a lot of people that come to us, especially in the winter months, with frostbite injuries, um, other injuries that have gone on as a result of their homelessness. We get them feeling better. We get them, um, if medications are appropriate, we get them on medications. And then the state comes in, and since they don't need help getting dressed or taking a shower or remembering to do those things, then we are mandated to kick them out. And so we've got them stable, and then they have to discharge. Because there's nowhere for them to go, and and that's the problem. Right. And if the state would allow them and realize that they need help as much as somebody that needs help going to the bathroom or getting dressed or showering and would allow them to have the long-term care Medicaid, we have facilities that can help them. It's a completely jacked up system, and I don't see anyone making any big, bold ideas come forward on how to fix it, mostly because it is so expensive. The legislators, I have reached out to my local legislators to come to my building, let me show you what we can do, and they don't even return the phone calls. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I wish it did. I, You know what, Deb? I'm sorry that they're not responding. Send me an email, and I'll respond to you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Deb. Great. Appreciate Thanks, it very Andy. much. Susan Whitkin in the newsroom. Heidi Ganahl up next. There's a big rally tonight in El Paso County. We're also talking about her clear victory in the gubernatorial debate. Susan Whitkin over there is talking about the news. What do you got? Uh, Well, we all know that home prices are dropping, but how far do they actually have to drop to become affordable for most folks? I'll tell you at one o'clock right here on KOA. News, talk, sports. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell & Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. No. It's Mandy Connell on KOA, 8.50 a.m. And 94.1 FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of, or another, what I meant to say was the second hour, and I don't know why. Close enough. That's fine. That's Grant trying to keep the show on the rails as I yank the wheel to the left and the right willy-nilly, but... Speaking of keeping it on the rails, my next guest was simply pitch perfect in last week's debate against uh, Mr. Jared Polis, who would like your uh, vote to remain governor. But she is Heidi Ganahl. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mandy. It's great to be on. Boy, has it been a crazy adventure the last week since then. The Democrats and Jared Polis are just coming after me. (laughs) Well, Heidi, I got to tell you, that should prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you wiped the floor with the governor in that debate. Well, thank you. It was great to be able to hold him accountable finally after a year um, and like actually call him out on the stage for his lies. I mean, he literally is a con man. I can't believe some of the things that he tried to take a stand on that are just ridiculous. 
Well, when he tried to say that it was reverse psychology for meat out day, I got to tell you, my BS meter pegged so hard when he said that, that I was like, really? You think voters are that dumb that they don't know that you're married to a vegan activist and you wanted us to not eat meat for the day because of him? Come on. I mean, come on. That was insulting to our intelligence. Well, he's married to a vegan activist, and as you know, I'm married to one of the top barbecue cooks <laughs> in the country, so I didn't let's really go think toe about to toe that. on that one. Yeah, well, more people like barbecue than are vegan. Anyway, um, I think that explains why Furrygate broke out, Heidi. <laughs> I, I really do. I think that's why Furrygate broke out on Twitter yesterday, and I jumped right in because it was so stupid I had to stop and just say, really, this is what we're going to talk about instead of kids not being able to read, instead of kids not being able to, uh, you know, our, our kids being addicted to drugs and committing suicide. Let's talk about this kind of a one-off issue. But I want to ask you this. Let's clear the air. Let's clear the fur, okay? Let's just blast it all out. Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Where did you find out about children dressing as animals in schools? Well, it started with just this rumor, and I started um, hearing from more and more parents across the state that it was happening. And then um, Drake Middle School in Jefferson County actually had to change their dress code because of it. But we've heard from about, uh, oh, gosh, now a couple hundred parents from around the state and um, have heard about 30 different schools that this is going on. But, you know, this is yet another example of how the governor and many in the media are just living in a bubble. As I travel the state, I meet with Coloradans. I'm struck by how worried they are about a lot of things. But the politicization of the classroom is one of the biggies. And it's distracting educators from addressing the shocking decline in our academic achievement here in the teen mental health. Sixty percent of our kids cannot read, write or do math at grade level. And we have one of the highest suicide rates for kids and one of the highest drug addiction rates for kids. And the governor and his team want to mock parents and kids and say this stuff isn't happening. They're basically calling them liars when I want to be a voice for parents and kids and always tell the truth about what I'm hearing, even if it's uncomfortable, when we've got to get back to just teaching them the basics, um, how to read, write, and do math. Well, I mean, Heidi, this is one of those things where uh, the notion that a news outfit didn't try to find any parents at all, you know, that that a news organization went and took the, the the school board says, oh, no, this isn't happening. They're like, oh, okay, great, that's fine. Just so they can try and make you look like a weirdo. I mean, you realize that's what this whole thing is. It's like, how can we use this to make Heidi Ganahl look like the weirdo when in reality, I've talked to you about stuff like this and the things that you hear from people around the state that the governor would never hear because he doesn't ever get out of his mansion to to actually go to places in Colorado and actually talk to real life people. And, and this is why this was so, so absolutely surprising to people. People. But this is also a huge issue in the sense that it is part of the larger issues that we are addressing stuff that is ridiculous in schools instead of reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's right. And it's also like kind of, um, it, it's such a huge distraction to learn, to teaching kids. Yeah. And like, we're really going to put that on teachers that we expect them to monitor this stuff. At the end of the day, We've got to get back to just the basics and letting teachers do their job, which is teaching kids how to read, write, do math, learn about civics, learn about chemistry. I mean, that is completely missing right now in a lot of this conversation. And the governor and the Democrats are so out of touch when it comes to what's happening in the classroom and with parents. Parents are ticked off. And honestly, they created um, a tidal wave of parents that are really mad now that they're being called liars. 
and the students who are as well. So there's going to be some backlash from this. Well, let's let's talk about more important things, which is really um, what you've been really, really good at. I, I mentioned that you absolutely killed it in the interview or the uh, the debate last week. And I will say this, Heidi, anyone, because I've had people say this, they're like, you know, I kind of like Heidi, but I don't know. She doesn't, she doesn't, she's not prepared. She doesn't really hold, you know, she hasn't held a high office. She doesn't know about the issues. And I always say the exact same thing. Watch this woman, watch her when she gets in the debates, watch her when she's speaking off the cuff. Heidi, you obviously showed you have a handle on the issues of Colorado in that debate. Do you feel like anything got left behind that you were wanting to talk about or an issue you would have liked to have talked about? Or did they do a pretty good job covering all the issues? Well, I'm, I'm certainly talking about fentanyl and the, and, and the horrible effects on our society because of the bad bills that the Democrats have signed. Talking about school safety, talking about drug addiction, talking about mental health, homelessness, talking about inflation, 15.6% inflation here in Colorado. It's making it almost unaffordable for people to stay here. But one thing I don't think um, we hit on enough in that debate was really um, small business owners are being crushed. And we had 27% more small businesses close their doors in the in the last quarter than in the previous year. I mean, they he tries to pretend like he's this business-friendly governor. He's anything but. And small business owners are really ticked off about the taxes, the fees, the overregulation. They're just being suffocated. Heidi, you forgot. He talked over and over again about the, what was it, $75 that he got people who wanted to start a business. It was a whole $75. He waived a fee. That's really all you need. You don't need anything else. Um, after well, I'm being sarcastic, of course. It's it's crazy that he he talks about these twenty dollar fees he's saving or a dollar here. It's costing the average family in Colorado eleven thousand five hundred dollars more a year to live right now. That's almost a thousand dollars a month more we're putting on the backs of families in Colorado, and people just can't afford it. They can't afford to pick between gas and groceries and school supplies. And he's decimated the oil and gas industry here, which is part of the reason we're going to have huge heating bills this winter. And we're supposed to go to the grid and do everything electric, not put natural gas in houses. He's just living on Fantasy Island, like I said in the debate. He has no clue what it's like to be a regular person living in Colorado trying to make ends meet. Heidi, I got to tell you, when he pointed out that you drive a Tesla and he drove a, a combustion engine, I thought to myself, this guy, he had to stand behind a lectern because he's got stones the size of cantaloupes. Are you kidding me right now? This is the guy who says that climate change is the biggest issue, right? He's going to destroy our entire oil and gas company production in Colorado because climate change is so important, but then he's going to brag about driving a gas-powered car? I got to tell you, that was a backfire of a massive proportion, I thought. But I, maybe he's assuming that voters are too dumb to figure that out. Well, it was also kind of creepy that he knows what kind of car I drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, um, go ahead. And I, I actually, have, we have three cars in our family. We have a Tahoe that's a little bit older. And then we have a, a Chevy Express conversion van. We call it the AT Mobile that we drive the kids and the dogs and it has like 120, 30, 40,000 miles on it. And um, honestly, having an e-car, it's totally unrealistic, totally unrealistic to think that a single mom living in downtown Denver trying to make it work with two jobs 
can afford one and then afford the charger station and then afford to be able to figure out how to map things out. I mean, you can't take it outside a Denver metro area or you get stuck somewhere. So it's just completely out of touch, like everything Jared does. And the fact that he was bragging about having a gas car when all he's done is drive everybody, I mean, nuts about going all electric, just like Gavin Newsom and Joe Biden. He's just a puppet for them. His new Green Deal, Green New Deal, is too far, too fast. It's completely out of touch with the people of Colorado and what we need to do to get back on track. Well, one of the things that I really am trying to make sure people understand is that we are about to be saddled with California formulations of gasoline because our governor not only did not push back against the EPA, he actually invited them at the beginning of his term to downgrade us. Uh, from uh, moderate to serious, which was right before severe, which is where they've downgraded us again. So we're going to have to use reformulated gasoline next, probably next summer, maybe, I'm guessing. People don't even know that this governor will be solely responsible for that. I'm trying to get the word out and let people know that when they're paying really high prices for gas, it is because of the action and inaction of Jared Polis. This is what he wants. He wants to make it so none of us can afford to drive so he and his friends can drive with no problem and no traffic. Mandy, there are so many things we have to hold his feet to the fire, whether it's the fentanyl crisis we're facing here because of the bad bills he signed, the skyrocketing crime because of the bills he signed, number one inflation because of the taxes and fees he's put in place, teen suicide, kids drugs because he's, you know, a a total um, hype man for the pot industry. And then 60% of our kids can't read. We're numbers 46 in roads. He's had control for four years. He's got both sides of the legislature. He could do basically anything he wants over the last four years. And this is his record. We've got to continue to hold his feet to the fire and share that debate everywhere. If your listeners can help in any way, it's go on our social media, pick your favorite clip, tweet it, post it, share it, hold his feet to the fire and tell people when they get their ballot to hold him accountable by voting differently. I agree wholeheartedly. Heidi Ganahl is my guest. What's going on in El Paso County tonight? We've got a great town hall going. We've got a few seats left. If anybody wants to come, it's at Centennial Hall down on 200 South Cascade. It starts at 6 o'clock. Danny and I will be there. Tim Geithner and Derek Wilburn are moderating. It's going to be um, really informative. We're going to talk about all the issues. And then we did one last night um, in Jefferson County that's online on our Facebook page with Lindsay and Beth from Jeffco Kids First. And we had John and Maria Castillo speak, which was just heart-wrenching, and Mickey speak. And it was just a really impactful evening last night that you can watch online as well. And of course, the Castillos are the parents of Kendrick Castillo, the hero of the STEM shooting. And the other woman that you just referenced, her daughter actually overdosed on fentanyl, correct? She didn't know overdose. She got poisoned. She thought she was taking a Xanax and had no idea that it was laced with fentanyl and and died that night. And that's happening more and more to our young people, Adderall, Xanax, you know, they're young, they're experimenting, they're, in, they're having a huge mental health crisis right now. So they're trying to numb themselves, feel better. And fentanyl is killing our kids. It's just that simple. And Jared Polis' decision to decriminalize fentanyl and make us a sanctuary state so that ICE agents and law enforcement can't stop it is killing our kids. Heidi, let me ask you a completely unrelated question to any of this. I've been on uh, Twitter, I've been going back and forth with a woman who is gay And she is under the impression that somehow you are not or you are against gay marriage because you said that marriage laws should be decided at the state level. 
Now, you actually said marriage law should be decided at the state level, and then she took that to mean that you would somehow undo the right to marriage for gay people in the state of Colorado. Will you clarify? Yeah, that is absolutely not true. In fact, I mean, some of my dearest friends are gay, and I have a friend who's trans, and I have so much respect and um, love for them, and it is their civil right to get married. It's also an issue around religious freedom, though. If you're a pastor and you don't feel comfortable, then, you know, you obviously shouldn't be forced to do that. But absolutely, it's their civil right to get married, and I have no intention of undoing that. And they're doing the same thing with the talk about me taking away women's rights. I am pro-life with the exception for rape, incest, serious health issues of the mom and the baby. And I've made a pledge that any changes to the abortion law will go back to a vote of the people of Colorado. So you're not trying to don't yeah. agree. Go ahead. I certainly don't agree with the extreme position that Jared Polis and the Democrats do that we should be aborting babies in the final weeks of pregnancy. And I don't believe the people of Colorado do either. Well, they keep voting against any kind of late term abortion ban. And that to me is just vile and disgusting. And I got to tell you, Heidi, now when I talk about it, I don't say abortion. I say they think it's okay to take a baby at 38 weeks that is fully developed and totally viable and inject it with potassium and then dismember it and pull its little body out in pieces. That's what I say, because that's what it is. And until we uh, take back the communication around abortion and what it is, that's never going to change. People don't even think about it in those terms because the whole clump of cells thing has been used for so long that I think people think it's a blob of cells until it comes out fully formed magically in the birth canal. I mean, I really do think that people have separated that. So I I won't ask you to do that, but that's what I'm doing from now on. I'm not calling it late-term abortion. I'm calling it the uh, poisoning with the same drugs that they use on murderers in prison and then dismemberment, because that's what it is. But you, I don't expect anybody else to do that. I'm just, that's my new mission now is to really talk about what it is. Well, and you know, Mandy, what's ironic is Jared Polis keeps talking about choice and healthcare choice with women. And he's the one who mandated and um, like required everybody to take a vaccination or you got fired. Right. You belong to, they've worked for the state. So he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. But, you know, I just, I had twins that were born early and fought so hard to help them survive and thrive. And I just don't believe that's the heart of the people of Colorado, that they think um, it's it's okay to be an abortion tourism state, which I don't know if you saw Jared yeah. Cole retweet Amy Schumer's ad, but that is not who we are here. I cannot believe that. I don't believe it. And, you know, I respect you for for speaking truth about what it's like in those final weeks if you have an abortion. Well, if you want to hear Heidi, go to the event in El Paso County. I link to that information on the blog as well. The big thing that I'm telling everybody is that if, if you want a change in Colorado, donate money to Heidi and the other Republican candidates. This is the best group of candidates we've had since I've lived here. And Heidi, I'm telling everybody, and I've gotten emails from people saying every payday from here until the election, I'm donating X amount of dollars. So my listeners are donating and they are helping, but I'm urging everyone to, because you can't buy TV ads with, you know, unicorn farts, like we're supposed to power our homes. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi, I appreciate you making time today. Well, thank you. And if everybody could just help by getting those clips out from the debate to hold him accountable yes. and show show people across Colorado, even your unaffiliated friends, what he said and how he wouldn't take responsibility for the terrible things he's done. And we've got some great solutions for a lot of these problems. 
we we can have a brighter future in Colorado. We just have to vote differently. Amen to that. Heidi Ganahl, I appreciate your time, and uh, have a great time in El Paso County tonight. Thanks so much, Mandy. All right, thank you. Over there, Susan Whitkin, what's coming up in the news? So drive downtown Denver, and where are all the people? I mean, where are all those people? They're still working from home. Never come back. Yeah, well, those vacant downtown Denver office buildings, they may soon become apartments. I'll tell you more about that at 1.30 right here on KOA News Talk Sports. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back. Couple things. A bit of housekeeping right here. If you just heard my interview with Heidi Ganahl, I talked about how I'm reframing specifically late-term abortion by calling it what it is which is the poisoning of a viable human being and dismemberment in the womb and then being removed from the mother's womb because she just changed her mind at the last minute. Okay. Somebody just said, Mandy, Joe O'Day is pro-poisoning and dismemberment. How will you be voting when it comes to that race? I want to be clear about something. I don't think I could ever be an abortion absolutist when it comes to the law. And let me explain that. I think that there are women out there who find themselves pregnant through a variety of situations. And I have known many, many women in my life who have been in these situations that I'm going to describe. I have known women who were in long-term relationships who told their long-term boyfriends that they were pregnant only to have him say, I don't ever want to have children so you can get rid of it or you can lose me. That's one. I know another woman who went to a party and got extremely drunk and had sex with a guy she'd known for a long time at work, but they did not have a dating relationship. They used protection and it broke and she ended up pregnant. When she told him, he denied that it was hers, his at all and said he would take no responsibility for it at all. I know other women who have uh, gotten pregnant in a variety of ways with a variety of people that for whatever reason, it was a bad, bad situation. And they made the choice to terminate that pregnancy. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I can judge them harshly because if I'd been in that situation, I can't sit here and tell you I wouldn't have made the same decision. It's a lot easier for a 53-year-old postmenopausal woman to sit here and say that abortion is a bad idea than it is a 22-year-old who has absolutely no idea what they want to do with their lives trying to figure out how to move forward who then finds out that they're pregnant. And so I, I just don't see myself ever putting myself in a situation where the law would tell a woman what to do. Now, on a personal note, I have no problem being very open and honest with people about how I feel about abortion. When a a friend shows up pregnant, I will give them my opinion if asked. I will tell them how I feel. I will give them my thoughts. I will urge them to find a way to keep the child. Because see, for, for a lot of those women, not as many, I know far more women who have had abortions than I know who have actually had children out of wedlock carried that baby to term. I know two women who have done that and put their babies up for adoption. Uh, One was in high school with me and then another was very young, 19 years old, decided to put her baby up for adoption. And and that has its own set of of circumstances and baggage that goes along with it for the rest of, of the life. But at least their children are alive and well. 
So it's not a pet issue. And I know for people who are staunchly pro-life, that baby is a baby. And no matter what happened to the mother or what the situation is, that baby should not be punished. And I understand all of that. And if at some point in the future, we can create little medical pods where we can take that baby out, let that baby grow, and then have somebody adopt the baby, I would be all for it. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. That being said, I think late-term abortion is ghoulish, disgusting, and murder. Anytime a baby can live outside the womb, there's literally no reason to do the things that I just said have to be done. A tiny percentage, tiny percentage of, uh, we don't have any good ab- polling on abortion at all, by the way. The last bit of polling was done by the Gutberg Institute in 2013. And that polling showed that um, a vast majority of women who had late-term abortions did not have it out of medical necessity. They had it because they couldn't get the money to have the abortion sooner. They didn't know they were pregnant. A lot of reasons. They changed their mind, whatever. So the notion that somehow this is all medically related is not true. And there should always be an exception for a doctor to say, it's this baby or this mother, and we've got to choose the mother. I get all of that. So as far as voting for Joe O'Day, I'm okay with it because his alternative believes that babies that are fully viable and could be happy, healthy humans very, very quickly uh, are also subject to the whims of the mother. And I just don't think that uh, that I can go, um, that I'm down with that. I just don't think... Um, by the way, Joe O'Day did not say he would vote with Democrats on an abortion bill that I saw. I heard him say that if a national ban was brought up, that he would vote for it, but he hoped that wouldn't happen because it was a state's issue. So if I missed that, please email me, Mandy, at koanewsradio.com. It's a difficult subject, but don't throw out the good for the perfect that doesn't exist. And right now, the perfect that doesn't exist is a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in Colorado who is 100% pro-life with no exceptions who can get elected in Colorado. That's a fantasy. You might as well run Bigfoot because it's not going to happen. We have, we have too many people who are staunchly pro-abortion in this state and they would not even consider a candidate who was staunchly pro, pro-life. It just wouldn't happen. So if you want to vote for, I don't even know who else you'd vote for in this race. I I really don't. But if you don't want to vote for Joe O'Day, then you're just saying, Michael Bennett, your view on abortion is better. That's what that means. So, you know, principled people, I love principled people who are so principled, but they don't get anything done. I had a great conversation with Rand Paul once, and I don't know if I should tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Had a conversation with Rand Paul about his dad. And Rand loves his dad. I mean really loves, loves, love his father, right? But he watched his highly, highly principled father get literally nothing done for his entire career in Congress, like got nothing accomplished except to build his reputation as a rabble rouser and a crank who never got anything done because he was a man of deep principles and by gosh, by golly, he was unwilling to yield on any of them at any time in any way, shape, or form. And it made him absolutely ineffective in Congress because that's not how things work in Congress. And I said, well, what did you personally take away from that? What's what's Rand Paul's takeaway from watching his father kind of beat his head against the wall? And Rand said, I have to be more pragmatic. That doesn't mean compromising my value system, but it may mean massaging my value system in pursuit of a better goal. Meaning baby steps, Baby steps. 
If you think we're going to go from Roe v. Wade to a full, complete and total ban on abortion in any immediate time frame, you've lost your mind. It's not going to happen. But we have to be able to have conversations about uh, what exactly uh, this procedure is. And that these are not clumps of, of cells. These are babies. There's, there's babies. O'Day said he'd vote to codify Roe. I did not see that. I'm going to have to find that out. I will find that out. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just going to say I haven't seen it. I got to find that out. Let me see who is here. Hey, Marilyn, you are on KOA. She also wants to touch back on something we talked about a little bit earlier. What do you got, Marilyn? Well, I, I really had hoped that um, since you were on a roll with the homeless and, and everything and where to put them, I wanted to know what Heidi thought of that because that's a huge issue. I mean, it's really big in Denver, you know. You've seen it grow and grow and grow. And after what uh, Hickenlooper did with creating a coalition for the homeless, which has only gratified 10 of his best donors and buddies with six-figure or more uh, checks um, a year, that this has just manifested itself to, to just, I mean, everywhere. You know, they're sleeping in trees, they're everywhere. And I'm sick and tired of the idea that, one, the homeless people are going to be getting, what is it, $1,400 a month? 1200 yeah. Right. yeah. 1200 $1,200. And not be accountable for any kind of change in their life. Just give it to them. And it's like, what kind of country, what kind of state, what kind of city are we to do that? It's unbelievable. And then on top of it, to then take some of these buildings, which I understand, not completely because they haven't gone down that hole, that the Coalition for Homeless is acquiring through the government via the government, there is a transaction here where they're getting these properties and then running them, flipping them, and putting homeless people in it. And what it's building is it's getting close to a billion-dollar uh, entity. And I am sitting here going, wait a second. This is our money. This is our city. We should really have a say, and these should be going to the vote of the people People really need to be aware because a lot but of wait people- a minute, Marilyn, let me put this out to you. And this is one of my big frustrations. We do have a great and healthy referendum program here in the, in the state of Colorado, which I love. I love that the people can directly petition the government. But we're about to have a vote on all of these policies, and it's called the next election. Like, if you don't like the policies that are currently in place, vote for someone else than the incumbent. Right. I mean, I I mean, that's that's the issue. It's like find out who is promoting, supporting and and keeping these these programs moving forward and vote for their opponents. We have these referendums all all the time. We just don't think about it like that. We're like somebody should do something, but we keep voting for the same people. Well, and the thing is, though, it's not clearly pointed out by the opposing either uh, side saying you vote for me. Like I wanted to know what Heidi Grinnell thought of your idea and saying, hey, let's put them on a, uh, an old base. I have an idea. There's, I passed a, a base in Burlington, old broken down base. And I'm like, hey, throw them there. Throw medical, you know, people there, doctors without borders, whatever they want to call themselves, get some kind of program going. Let's clean up these people. Let's help the people that can really be helped. If they're mental, 
let's create a place where we put these mental people because there's a lot of them on the on the ground. And 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 really, um, I wanted to know what she thought of something of the idea that you were mentioning, because you got to hold these people accountable. We've been trying. We we have had Heidi and I have had long conversations, both on and off the air, specifically about this issue. But that idea that I laid out earlier on the show, where we basically create a giant warehouse that then directs people into different silos where they can get the appropriate help that they need, but outside of downtown Denver, so you can't be tempted to walk away and go back to panhandling. But then also a zero tolerance policy for any kind of living on the streets and just. And literally just clean house. And by the way, I want the accommodations to be humane and clean and and have a place where people can pull themselves out of the ditch, but it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be a place that anybody wants to live for any amount of time. And that's the incentive to keep doing the right thing and, and embrace the services that are available and get these people off the streets once and for all, if that can be done. No, Marilyn, I mean, we talk about it all the time, so it'll be an ongoing conversation, but I... Okay, well, great, thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it very much, but here's the thing, you guys. I mean, uh, the the Democrats have watched all this happen in the last four years, too, and what what are the different things that they're doing? There's no new ideas coming from the Democratic side, and they're in charge of everything. In downtown Denver, they're in charge of everything in the state, and they've got no... New ideas. Every time we talk to the mayor, it's housing first. We're going to wrap around with services. It's not, what are you doing for the people that are refusing services? Because that's the problem. It's not that we don't have this homeless infrastructure. It's that we're not forcing people into it. And until that happens in some meaningful way, we're going to continue attracting homeless people from all over the country because it's easy to be homeless in Denver. It's easy to do drugs, hang out, drink, do whatever you want, take your clothes off in downtown, take a pee right on Broadway. No one cares. No one's going to stop you. We've made it easy to be homeless in this in this state and in, specifically in Denver. And until we make it less easy, with a firm eye on compassion, you know, I, I don't I don't want to give you the impression that I am of the just get him out of my eyesight mindset, because that would be really easy. That'd be super easy. That's just buy everybody a bus ticket and get them the hell out of here and just keep buying bus tickets for everybody who shows up. But that's not going to solve any kind of long-term problem. We have to let people know that when you come to Denver, they're going to hassle you every day. They're going to not let you sleep. They're going to send you to this facility where they're going to force you not to drink and do drugs. And they're going to force you into services that can help you get yourself upright again. And that's not very appealing for urban outdoorsmen who really don't want any help. That's not the lifestyle they're seeking. They're seeking the lifestyle they have now, which is do whatever you want. No one's going to stop you. Every once in a while, they're going to come through and clean up a camp and then you go back to doing whatever you want again. That's what we have now and it's not working at all. When we get back, I'm going to talk about cheating for a minute. We have two news stories about cheating at a very high level. One at a poker tournament and one at a fishing tournament. Cheating is one of the biggest foundational cracks in our society. And I'm going to explain how parents and kids, they don't think anything about cheating because they think everybody does it. We'll talk about that when we get back. Not in my house. Susan, I hate cheaters. I don't want you to cheat on a game. I don't want you to cheat at golf. I don't want you to cheat at cards. If you cheat 
with me, at me, around me, I will never think of you as a decent person again. Cheaters and liars mm. in the same vein. They are. I mean, when you're cheating, you're lying about your abilities exactly. and your skills. I'll tell you about this and why I think this is like litter, an indicative problem of one of the foundational structural problems in our society, just from cheating at a fishing tournament. At a fishing tournament? Oh, and at poker. Oh, I got two. How for do you. you cheat at a fishing tournament? Oh, I'll tell you. What when do you we do? Get you back. Throw up. Do you, do you hook a fish behind your back and then throw it in the water oh, really no. quickly and then pull it out? It's all about weight, Susan. It's all about weight. Well, at a I can tournament. wait for it, okay? But you can't wait for this one. Investors are in a buying mood on Wall Street. What the euphoria is all about? Right here at two o'clock on KOA News Talk Sports. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Mandy Connell Show is sponsored by Bell and Pollock Accident and Injury Lawyers. Now, it's Mandy Connell on KOA, 850 AM and 941 FM. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the third hour of the show. I'm your host, Mandy Connell. Grant Smith in with us today. Don't forget to check out Taking It For Granted podcast. It's fantastic every single week, but not for everyone. The one I don't send to you anymore. I, I know. <laughs> if you did, it would be on the blog. Did you see who I had on last week? It was a really good guest. No, I did not because you didn't send it to me. Maura George. She served with uh, Rob, our favorite Rob from Shut up the day and, and the Army. And now she's a lieutenant colonel on in the Air Force, teaches students how to use gliders and other airplane equipment. So she was very super cool. Talked very, about the very time cool. She served in Iraq and got into some pretty deep stuff, but it was a great conversation. I can imagine. That's all the Taking It For Granted podcast. Also, one more quick reminder. I want to remind you guys of our KOA Pick'em Challenge. Um, I forgot to do my Pick'ems last week. I'm not doing I could well. have just forgot to do them. I did really? so poorly. That mad? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of our listeners is going to win some really cool prizes from Circle K. There are great prizes, gift certificates. There are w- weekly prizes. There's a big prize of $1,000 at Circle K uh, for the big winner at the end of the season. You can find it all at koacolorado.com. Thanks to our friends at Circle K for uh, bringing that to us this this time. So, um, very, very quickly, I wanted to talk about a few things. And then we've got former DA Mitch Morrissey coming on the show at 2.30. The Common Sense Institute has released a new study about crime in Colorado, and the numbers are not good. He's coming up at 2.35. But I want to talk about two stories about cheating. One of them, I saw this over the weekend. So this really hot chick, she's a poker player, because I think... In order to be a female poker player, you have to be hot. I mean, I'm just going by what I see on the TV. But I think that being a hot woman actually helps you because you will discombobulate at least a few men just by being a hot woman with a low-cut shirt. I mean, I'm not wrong. Guys, don't even act like I'm... There's guys in the audience like, no, uh, okay. I mean, depends on how big her boobs are. But yeah, maybe. I see you. So this chick is in a poker tournament and she goes all in on a relatively mediocre hand. 
in and of itself, that's a little weird, but you don't win. You don't, you don't hit it unless you swing big, right? Well, she won, and she won like $289,000 or some number like that. But video of the actual game showed some very interesting moves by this big-breasted woman in a low-cut top. And now people are saying she cheated to win the pot. She won $269,000, right? So she had a ring on and then and then acted all weird and then and then all of a sudden she's all in and then the ring disappears. So the speculation is that somebody was watching the game and somehow signaled her to go all in on this hand because they knew what the other guy had, right? So now this guy's accusing her of cheating and the casino involved is now saying they're going to bust out the lie detector test because they want to know if this woman is actually cheating or not. So in a statement, the casino said it had no proof either way or any indication of any wrongdoing besides the accusations of parties involved. In a follow-up statement, they said part of that investigation could include the use of a polygraph. It is in the process of, quote, retaining experts, the old retaining experts trick, for its investigation despite being confident in its own security technology and the integrity of its staff. They are hiring a law firm to conduct a comprehensive investigation, which will include staff and player interviews, a review of relevant records, and possibly the use of polygraph testing. Once the investigation is complete, they will release the findings publicly. And let me tell you what I know about casinos. They will find out exactly what happened and they will let you know. So um, now uh, the woman in question, her name is Lou, last name is Lou, L-E-W. She appeared confident that she'd be vindicated despite allegations and even challenged the other guy to a one-on-one -on -one match so the whole world can watch me read you all day. Now, here's the kicker here. I mean, for me, the kicker is she gave back the winnings after she was accused. If I didn't cheat, you're prying those winnings out of my cold, dead hands. Yeah, no kidding. That kind of proves that they were right, maybe. Exactly. If you're that willing to that's, give it back. I think that's how it looks. And I would have never, never, never turned that money back in. No way. No way. So that's one instance of cheating. Let's go to the second instance of cheating. This one is even crazier. So at a fishing tournament, Grant, you ever been to a fishing tournament? You're from a rural area. Have you ever I gone? I have. Okay, so fishing, but fishing, not bass. Yeah, fishing tournaments are really fun to watch at two times. When all the boats go out and when all the boats come back, the rest of it's really boring. Pretty boring, yeah. You know, it's like, but fishing tournaments can be big money, especially in a smaller rural area. They could be a really big money. So the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Championship, is happening, right? They're in Pennsylvania. And Chase Kaminsky and his partner, Jake Runyon, they were posing for fish or posing for photos with fish and because they were the big winner. They have been winners all season long. They were up for team of the year. And all of a sudden, one of the competitors from another team goes, how did their fish weigh more than mine when ours are bigger than theirs? 
the age-old question in fishing tournaments everywhere because this is all weight, right? So the guy's like, dude, somebody else cuts open the fish and there are weights in the belly of the fish. The fisherman had stuffed lead weights into the fish so it weighed more so they could win a fishing tournament. And let me tell you something. You know, you don't want to tick off a bunch of angry fish and rednecks. That's who you don't want to tick off. It created, a, it was mayhem. Mayhem. Now, I want to talk about this because ultimately, I don't care if this lady cheats at poker because I'm not good at poker and I'll never play her. And I don't care if these guys cheat in a fishing tournament because I'm not competing against them. But I care because cheating is now seen as not that big a deal. I've had stories in the past few years about the levels of cheating at a, especially elite high schools, right? Where kids, in my daughter's uh, middle school, they're not allowed to have any electronics in the classroom. They're not allowed to have smartwatches. They're not allowed to have anything like that in the classroom because they want to make it really incredibly difficult for kids to cheat. I mean, back in my day, kids, you had to take a piece of paper, you had to make it just the perfect length, then you had to write the answers on the paper in little tiny print. And then you had to roll it up and stick it into a big pen around the ink cartridge so it just looked like a pen. I mean, I heard that that's how you did it back in the day. I heard about it. I was not a cheater. I, 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 I was raised Catholic and, and I bought into the whole, like, if you cheat, you're going to hell. If you curse, you're going to hell. Like, I was a really straight arrow kid for a very long time. But even as an adult, I cannot stand people who cheat. Or, or more importantly, I can't stand people who treat rules as suggestions. You know, when the whole Napster thing happened, and I know this is gonna seem like a big leap here, but when Napster came out and all of a sudden it became not just okay, but expected that people would steal music online from artists. And when you download a song that you did not pay for in any way, shape or form, you are stealing the song right? I mean, that's what it is. And, and, and when all that happened and everybody was like, oh my God, we would not let our boys use Napster. We just wouldn't let them do it. We're like, you're stealing money from artists who are creating art and you're stealing it from them with no compensation by stealing music like that. But for their generation, it just set this precedent of if you want it and it's out there, take it. We now see all of these people looting and shoplifting in these stores. A friend of mine said she was in a, like a bodega in, in New York City with her son and all of a sudden like 15 teenagers run in, grab a bunch of stuff and run out. And that's okay. Back when I was a kid, none of my friends would have remotely considered doing anything like that in any way, shape or form because we knew right from wrong. And we're currently living in this postmodern society where we're supposed to believe that someone can change genders just by announcing it, that they want to be a different gender now, or that someone could be a cat if that's what makes them happy, or that, you know what, stealing is okay as long as you just steal from rich people, right? Business owners are all rich people. You can steal from them. You can steal from corporations. You can steal from artists. You can cheat at a fishing tournament. You can cheat at a poker tournament. That's just how we are in society. Y'all, this is not how we can have the United States of America, because our constitution relies on a moral people. And back in the day when the constitution was signed, the morality came from the church. The morality came from the Bible. 
the morality came from a, a foundation that was based in faith. And in order to have a free society, you must have a moral people because immoral people cannot regulate themselves. Moral people can. Moral people who know right from wrong know that it's not okay to walk into a store and loot things and take things that are not theirs. Moral people can make that happen. Moral people know that it's not okay to pick up a weapon and kill someone else with it. Moral people know that. Immoral people don't. Moral people know it's not okay to cheat at a fishing tournament. Immoral people don't. And yet we're supposed to believe that saying someone is bad or someone is wrong is somehow in and of itself a problem. We're not supposed to judge anybody. I tell my daughter all the time, you know what? I judge, you judge every single person that you meet every single second of every single day. You are passing judgments on those people. And let me just say, if I'm walking down the street and I see a guy walking towards me and he's got a face tattoo and a neck tattoo and he's got his pants slung down around his waist and he's smoking some something and he looks shady as hell, I'm crossing the street. I'm making a judgment. Now, he could be a wonderful person. He could be the greatest person in the history of the world, but everything I know about people who make those choices tells me I don't wanna be around that person. So to note that somehow we should not have this sense of right and wrong, good and bad, or if we do, we should keep it to ourselves. that's a huge problem. I mean, huge problem. My friend Larry Reed, who you guys have heard on the show so many times talking about economics and history, he has a phenomenal book that is just on character and how much character matters. I think this is one of my big beefs with Donald Trump. And I'm not gonna like hammer Donald Trump. So trumpets, you don't have to change the station. But Donald Trump is a man of many moral failings. And they're publicly on display and he doesn't seem to have any shame about those moral failings. I mean, if you're gonna get caught banging a porn star while your wife is pregnant, could you at least pretend to be sorry about it? Really? But we live in a society where, oh, he's rich, that's expected, that's what happens, it's fine. You know, I'm not hiring him to be my priest, I'm hiring him to be my president. Don't we care anymore? I remember when Bill Clinton got busted cheating on Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats and Gloria Steinem, who I still at that point had a lot of respect for, came out to defend him, saying that it's a personal matter. It didn't really matter to the rest of the country if he was banging an intern because it was a personal matter between he and his wife. And I keep telling people, people who cheat at fishing tournaments, people who cheat at poker tournaments, people who cheat on their wives, cheat on everything in life because they can justify anything to themselves. I mean, if, if you decide at some point, what has to go through your mind to cheat at a flipping fishing tournament? At what point does that thought process go, hey man, you know what would be awesome? We should win this thing. Sure, we don't have the biggest fish. We'll just shove some weights down their gullet. Nobody will notice. They're idiots. They wouldn't, they wouldn't suspect this of us. I mean, what is that thought? And nobody in that boat, the two of them, nobody went, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. Sometimes my daughter tells me things that other kids do that their parents let them do. And she goes, well, yeah, their parents let them do it. And I go, that doesn't make it right. Just because someone else's parent is making a bad choice does not mean that that behavior is somehow inherently right. There's good behavior, there's bad behavior, there's good choices, there's bad choices. We should be able to have those conversations and we should be able to say, if you're a loser who cheats to win a fishing tournament, you're a ginormous loser because that's just pathetic. It's pathetic. 
I always think of like those moms, like, you know, the, 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 the mom who tried to like kill one of her child's on the cheerleading team's rivals. That's how it starts, people. That's how it starts. Sometimes kids go for things and they don't make it and, and they lose. And we as parents have to go, you know what? Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. That's just life. But we don't do that now. Now we figure out clever ways to break into the school's computer to change the tallies for homecoming queen. It's pathetic, people. It's just pathetic. So if you're thinking of teaching your kids that it's okay to cheat on Candyland or shoots and ladders, you're part of the problem. I can't tell you how many times I whooped up on my three-year-old in Candyland because I was like, nope, we're following the rule book. She's like, but, but, but all of my friends, I don't care about your friends. Can't help it if their parents are raising little cheaters. It's not going to be in my family. Not on my watch. Not going to happen. It drives my husband crazy. I have two golf rule books in my golf bag. Two. PGA and USGA, in case you're wondering. Two. I'm that person. Now, if you tell me when we start playing, if you just go, look, I play fast and loose with scoring. I don't really keep my stroke counts. I'm fine with that. But don't tell me we're playing fair and then tell me you got a four when I clearly just watched you take eight shots. Homie doesn't play that. No. And I'll judge you harshly. And then possibly tell other people that you cheat at golf. Because at that point, all bets are off. All bets are off. Joining me next, former district attorney uh, Mitch Morrissey. Joining me next, the Common Sense Institute has a new report about crime. It is not flattering. We'll talk to him when we get back. Susan Whitkin, what do you have in the news? Some of those vacant office buildings in downtown Denver may soon become apartments. Tell you more about that at 2.30 right here on KOA. News, talk, sports. We are back, and I am very happy to have joining me right now. He is a former district attorney who now has been producing some very interesting information with a group of folks at the Common Sense Institute. Mitch Morrissey, welcome to the show. Oh, Mandy, thanks for having me. How are you today? I am doing great. I just read the introduction because the the Common Sense Institute had not posted this when I was driving to the office and doing all that stuff. I just added it to the blog so people can go back and read it. But man, you guys dug into some crime stats and it is not a good look for Colorado right now. No, I think this is our fifth report, you know, because of the way crime stats kind of just filter out of the FBI and different organizations that put crime stats out. You have to stay up on them. They come out at strange times of the year. Uh, we did two reports last year on the crime rate in Colorado. We did a fentanyl report, and then we also did just an auto theft report because auto theft is such a standout crime in Colorado. We're number one in the nation in auto thefts per capita, and our report that came out today looks like we're going to have that same kind of an increase, so we'll stay number one. I think we're up 13.6% in 2022. And we're on track for nearly, you know, for like 48,000 vehicles to be stolen in Colorado this year. Why? Why are are we locationally a nice target? Because people can get the over the border quickly. Why are we such a 
destination for car theft. Some of that is the case. You know, obviously the cars are filtering out of the state, that type of thing. But, you know, these are professional car thieves. And uh, I th- we we have a quote in our car thief report, car theft report. It's a different report that indicated that uh, for somebody arrested for auto theft in the last three years, they have 97% of them have multiple auto theft arrests. So these are the same people over and over again. And a lot of it has to do with the way that Colorado treats auto theft. You know, it's auto met with a uh, senator last week, a state senator, and he said, you know, his goal this year was to make auto theft a crime in Colorado again. And, you know, he's being facetious, but you know, they pushed this crime down to the point where it's such a low-level crime that uh, these thieves, you know, they, they just they don't worry about stealing these cars. They steal multiple cars. When they get arrested for it, they'll usually get a PR bond and be out stealing cars the next day. So uh, the people that are out there doing this at a high volume level are the people that we should be targeting. Uh, Agreed, 100%. But right now um, we have an attorney general who was caught on tape saying, you know, after somebody steals three or four cars in a two or three month period, well, by gosh, then we're going to keep them in jail. Um, That seems ridiculous on the face to anyone who's actually had their car stolen. But is that where we are? And what needs to happen to fix that in your estimation? It's not just auto... Well, actually, I'll tell you, and we've been writing these reports, and I get really frustrated because the people like the attorney general and the governor and people like that that are the policy leaders in this state don't seem to be paying attention. They will criticize our numbers, uh, but then we say, okay, give us your numbers. Because, you know, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind's blowing. Everybody in this state knows that crime is on the rise. Last year we had a record number of homicides. So when they criticize the Common Sense Institute, which does incredible work in all different areas and tries to put a dollar amount on what things like this increase in crime is costing, we get criticized for the data. And the data is the data. I mean, we aren't making partisan decisions. We aren't attacking anybody. You know, you've got You've got auto thefts going through the roof. You've got the crime rate going up. You have the numbers of prisoners and people in the Department of Corrections going down at the same time. People can draw the conclusions that they want to draw. People can argue in a debate, in a political debate. We're not there doing that. We're putting this data out there. So when people like the attorney general criticize us, you know, I'd like to see his numbers. Uh, when the governor says he doesn't like our numbers, well, where are your numbers, governor? Because everybody in this state knows the crime rate is going up. You know, the, the numbers in here are, are pretty staggering. And I want to ask you specifically, were you a DA when, when the big crime reform bill was going? I don't, I don't, not good at the timeline on this, Mitch, so please forgive me. But when the big crime reform bill was going through the legislature, has that bill Was that bill the biggest problem, or is it more of a kind of incremental decriminalization of some of these or defelonization of some of these things that has happened over time? Or was are we looking at a a moment in time with that particular crime reform bill that kind of started the ball rolling downhill? And I mean downhill. 
No, the ball, like for instance, auto thefts, the ball started rolling downhill in 2014 when they reduced the felony level of, uh, of felony auto thefts and made other auto thefts misdemeanors. When it became less of a serious crime and less of a, if you got caught, the chances of you being punished at all went down. Then again, and you saw auto thefts in 2014 just start to go up. Not straight up, but it looked like a hockey stick. And then, you know, you start to see that level off. And then they reduced the amount or, or they increased the amount, making it a misdemeanor more recently. And again, you see auto thefts go up. That's just one example of the statutory things that have been going on for about the last 10 years. One of the biggest things that I saw right at the end of the time that I was DA in 2017 was when they reformed the parole rules and they said that, well, you got three strikes. So you could be out there doing drugs. You could be out there doing things that led you down the road to reoffending, all of those types of things. But you got three strikes and the parole officers basically hands were tied and couldn't get these guys revoked back to the penitentiary uh, until they did things three times. And of course they knew that. So when they were on their third strike, what would happen? They'd shoot at a police officer. They would, you know, get involved in a police shooting, that type of thing. They'd get killed by the police. Right. A lot of things like that were going on. The thing that that I don't think a lot of people understand, these groups, these criminals are sophisticated. They know what the felony amount is, for instance. If you have a ring of, of shoplifters, they're going to hit 30 places and never steal a felony amount in any of those 30 places. Right. But they're going to hit the number of them that you have Home Depot when we met with them. They were losing $80 million a year to shoplifters just in Colorado. Holy and these crap. investigators that, that we talked to said they wouldn't even look at a case unless there was at least a million dollars worth of loss for them. Holy cow. Yeah, anything less than that wasn't worth their time. So, you know, when you take these property crimes and you basically tell these criminals they're no big deal, they go up. We're number one in auto thefts in the country. We're number two in property crimes in the country. We also looked at fentanyl and the horrible things that are going on around that. We're going to see a record number of fentanyl overdoses this year. Last year, there was about 1,300. This year, there's, we're, we're on scale, we'll probably go 1,500. So three Coloradoans on average died a year, a day last year. Wow. It's going to be more like four or five this year. They've already taken more fentanyl off the streets in the first five months of this year than they did all of last year. That's something that law enforcement can be applauded for, but sadly that means there's that much more of it out there and it's killing more Coloradans. So we looked at property crimes, we looked at crimes against persons. About the only good news that comes out of this report is last year we had a record number of murders, of homicides in the state of Colorado. It went back as long as they've been keeping the records. We never had a year like we did last year. This year, it looks like in Colorado, that's not going to be the case. It's going to go down some, 
But, of course, in Denver, it's looking like they're going to top their number last year. I was a prosecutor in 1993. I worked for Bill Ritter. And Bill Ritter called for a special session because of the crime rate in the summer of violence. More people got killed last year than got killed in the summer of violence. Romer called the special session. Regis Groff was a senator from, from Denver. He was one of the leaders in passing laws to impact the crime that we were seeing back in 1993. Nothing like that is going on in this state. We have no leadership on this issue, Mitch. I mean, we have no leadership on this issue at all. And um, I, for one, am very glad you guys did this. I'm going to dig into this tonight, but I'm just scrolling down. We've one good thing, drugs seized by the Colorado State Patrol. They've seized 309% more pounds of fentanyl this year than they have in previous years. So uh, they seized that much, but I'm guessing a lot more is getting through. Right. So when, when they seize 412 pounds, that's something to applaud. Law enforcement is doing the best they can, and even with the shortages of manpower, of personnel that they have, their difficulty in recruiting here in the state of Colorado, you talk to any police chief, any sheriff throughout Colorado, they're having an awful time retaining veteran officers, and recruiting new officers. Obviously, if you don't have enough law enforcement to take care of the crime in your community, then the crime is going to increase. People know that. So, you know, those are the kinds, they're all coming together. All of these things that have been going on in our state are coming together to create this, what George Brockler, who is my, who is another fellow who helps me write these reports, he calls it a tsunami of crime, and it's all of these things coming together that do that. And it's time to go back and look. What did we do in 2014? What were the unintended consequences of that when it came to auto theft, and what can we do to, to uh, change that? Until we did our first report, no one was talking about this. Right. i got to hand it to the Common Sense Institute because – they were the ones that contacted us and wanted to do this. We started to do this work, and we started to put out the call that it's time for things to be looked at and adjusted in Colorado around crime. Last year, it cost citizens of the state of Colorado over $30 billion, the crime that we saw last year, and that was an increase from the year before. Yeah. So every time you see these kind of increases, that means more Billions, and I'm not saying millions, I'm saying billions of dollars. This is what you're paying, for instance, for you know some of the highest car insurance because right, right. Uh, cars get stolen like crazy here. Uh, we have cities that are, that are in the top of the cities that were looked at by the FBI. There's only one city outside of Colorado. Otherwise, Colorado cities hit right in the top four. Um, the cars, they, they get stolen, but it's more than cars because obviously homicide rate that you saw last year, we were number one in bank robberies in the country last year. There are a lot of things that have come together that have made it kind of a haven for criminals And Mitch, in Colorado. Yep. And it's time to make those folks feel a little uncomfortable, get them off the streets 
And uh, let's see this crime rate go down. I would love to see that, Mitch. I am out of time, but I've posted a link to this on the blog. Maybe we'll get you back on in the next couple of weeks after I have a chance to read everything and digest it. And we'll have another discussion about this because I think it is incredibly important that people recognize. I just looked at some of the graphs on this report, which is linked at mandysblog.com. All of the graphs are going the wrong direction. Mitch Morrissey, are, former DA. Thanks for having me on. No problem with the Common Sense Institute. I appreciate your time today, sir. We'll talk again very, very soon. Do you have of the day? And now it's time for the most exciting segment on the radio of its kind in the world of the day. <laughs> BK's in here. We are super late. All right, what's our our word of the day? Are we skipping dad jokes? Is that an A-Rod Well, only? yeah, A-Rod's yeah, got the dad jokes. What's, I what's, even had one, right? Oh, you have one. Go ahead. What's the dad joke of the day? What do you call cheese that accidentally escapes the International Space Station. What is... I don't know. Space debris. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) today's word of the day, please. Word of the day today is languid. It's an adjective. Languid means something kind of... Like languish? No, like smooth and kind of flowing. Languid. Not even close. Dang it. Did you introduce Ryan Edwards? I did. Ryan Edwards Buffalo, is the other voice we're hearing here. That's BK. Go ahead, because we're about to uh, run out of time. I, yeah, I just thought it means like, what'd you say? I just he doesn't know. Yeah. What's the definition? <laughs> <laughs> Languid, having little strength, energy, or activity, kind of okay. like the Broncos yesterday. I yeah. languish. Languish is kind A of in bit, that. Yeah. Who invented no? Hawaiian-style pizza? Hint: It wasn't a Hawaiian. Papa John. California pizza. Well, kitchen. if you don't know it, you're not going to guess it. It was actually Sparrow, my favorite Sparrow. place in New York. No, New York a Canadian pizza. man named Sam Panopoulos from Ontario, oh, Canada, in the mid 20th century, started putting pineapple pieces on pizza, and the rest is history. So blame him. All right, what's our Jeopardy category? Jeopardy category for today. Uh huh. Olive, my love. Okay. Each question has to do with olives. Ryan, make sure you yell your name because it's kind of hard to hear you. Okay. All right. Okay, go ahead. First one. Extra, this type of olive oil comes only... Brandon. 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 What is virgin? Yes. Correct. Next one. By law, olives labeled as Kalamata must come from... What is Greece? Correct. One, one. I eat them every day. Every day? I do. I love them. This sweet pepper is that red thing peeping out from the middle of your... Brandon. Brandon. Ryan. Yeah, Brandon got it. Oh. What's the pit? Mandy, Incorrect. what's a pimento? Oh, pimento. R- Ryan, uh, wait, hold on. No, I, I was. Ryan, how, do, how do you get to jump in in front of me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I should absolutely Ryan. go next on that. Ryan, go ahead. It's pimento. Go ahead, Brian's back to. It's pimento. I, you got it, Brian. Okay. I'm so everyone, or Mandy and Ryan have one. Yes, BK and BK's zero. back at zero. Right. Olives are too bitter to be eaten off the tree. Like a recovering patient, they have to be this. Recovering patient. Ryan. Ryan. Uh, not it's pickled, but not, I don't know. I don't know. Pickled is what All I guess. Right, right. It's close, but it's not a patient. A patient. That's what I'm trying to think of. Like they they have to be in brine. They have to be preserved. They have to be salted. What do you? I don't know. Nobody. Cured. Cured. No. Oh, cured. Cured. Oh, <laughs> All right. Ah. Last one. Together with capers and anchovies. Mandy. All of, Mandy. What is top and odd? Correct. Yes. 
Nice. This would have been a good category for the wine yogi. Yes. Who was on my flight. I know. She said uh, that your wife is adorable. I'm like, I know he married up. I don't know how he did it. Everybody likes her more than me. She must have been drunk. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, JK, where are you guys at, Ryan? Which Wild Wings? We're at Buffalo Wild Wings and River Point uh, here off Sheridan. So uh, come on down say hi to us. All right. That's happening. The KOA Sports Suit coming up next. Keep it right here on KOA News Talk Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.